Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. The holidays are coming up, people, and that means cozy sweaters and hot chocolate and sitting by the fire. My favorite, my favorite, my favorite. And as you know, I love a good scent, and my friends at Vitruvi are going to hook you up. They're offering a holiday collection for their cordless move diffuser. It's the same diffuser you know and love, but with a festive twist in three limited edition colors, including willow, a light green inspired by decorative greenery, chestnut, a sleek metallic brown with purple undertones inspired by curling up by the fire, charm, a metallic pearl inspired by twinkling lights. Their diffusers are made with 100% pure essential oils. They're also safe to breathe in on a daily basis. Plus, the design is sleek and modern. It fits into any room. From their award-winning diffusers to pure essential oils, they make scenting your home a beautiful opportunity for self-expression. I love their lavender scent before bed, but I'm also really excited about two scents that they're launching for the holidays. And their names are really fun too. I love Afterglow. It smells like spicy and this cozy vibe. It's really good. Fireside smells like nutmeg and wild orange. These are some of my favorite scents and it's such a nice scent to have going when you're throwing a little holiday dinner or just gathering with your family. And this is their first ever holiday collection. So get psyched. It's available only for limited time. So stock up soon. Visit vitruvi.com forward slash Dear Gabby and use the code Dear Gabby 20 to get 20% off your next purchase. That's V-I-T-R-U-V-I dot com slash D-E-A-R-G-A-B-B-Y and use the code DearGabby20. That's Vitruvi.com slash DearGabby. Hey there. Welcome to Dear Gabby. I'm your host, Gabby Bernstein. And if you landed here, it is absolutely no accident. It means that you're ready to feel good and manifest a life beyond your wildest dreams. Let's get started. I have such a big show for you today, my friends. Get pumped. This is a show I was dreaming about and it happened so effortlessly. I'm just pumped to share this with you. Two of my very dear friends, uh, friends that are there for me in my career and my personal life, people who have been very instrumental in my life, are also two of the best podcasters on earth and they're going to rock your world today. I sat down for today's show with Lewis Howes, the host of the School of Greatness podcast and On Purpose host and Sama T founder, Jay Shetty. And it is the most 
epic conversation. I can't stop thinking about it. I feel like it's something I've been longing for is just to sit with my bros and just like chat with them and get all the love out and really give the gift of who they are to my listeners. And that's today's show. I've been really missing hanging out with people in general. And so we just went right in. You know how I go with big talks, right in, big talk, beautiful topics. We held nothing back. And I mean nothing. On today's big talk, we explore how to deepen your conversational skills for more meaningful connections what it means to be an active listener, which I think both of them really have mastered. And it's one of the qualities about both of them that I admire most. How to attract the right romantic partner into your life and why you might be attracting Mr. or Miss Wrong at this time. (laughs) How to view vulnerability as a loving exchange, the key to a long lasting relationship. How to cope with being an extrovert in these isolating times. This big talk is packed with so many gorgeous life lessons and they're guaranteed to enhance your closest relationships. And I really can't wait for what you think of this episode. Seriously, leave a review. This episode is so beautiful. I want to hear your feedback. Let us know how you feel about it. And we truly go there. We go there on so many different topics. You can't even imagine. I'm so excited. I can say without hesitation, this big talk is the most joyful conversation I've had in a really long time. I hope it really fills you up. All right, guys. This is such a selfish... No small talk. There's no small talk. Zero. It's called big talk. Dear Gabby, big talk. No effing small talk. You'll see. I'll just redirect you. Gabby, Jay and I, every time we meet, which is like every couple weeks here in LA, we go right into the first thing we say is, uh, I miss you. I love you, Jay. Why are we here? Right. What, what's the reason of this life? How can I be more spiritual? This always, and then we just speak for six hours about all these different topics. And um, we don't know what small talk is. So <laughs> I don't know if I have six hours, but I have some time to be with you and go there. And, you know, those are the only conversations I want to have. And the sort of conversation part of this show is strictly that, just going right in going right for what's real, what's up with us, what's meaningful, what's tough. Because personally, I don't think I got any more time for small talk in general. And if I'm going to publicize a conversation, it better be deep. Okay. (laughs) So here we are. I just want to open by saying that the two of you, while you may be younger than I am, are kind of like big brothers to me. And you both have very meaningful places for me in my heart. I want to acknowledge, Jay, from the moment that I met you, you were interviewing me. I was a little late for the interview. It was a Universe Has Your Back interview. My publicist was like, he's really cute. That's what she said to me. And I was like, okay. And I show up and you're like, you have these like piercing blue eyes and you're just such a beam of light. And the immediate conversation was so comfortable, so natural. And you made me feel so safe. And I walked out of there and I was like, I want to do more with that man. I want to do as much as I want to collaborate with him as much as possible. And I was like, he's a superstar. Hence, here you are, superstar. Now, Lewis, it's quite the same. It was just love friendship at first sight. And one of the most meaningful moments in my life was shared with you. And I don't know, you know this, but I don't know how much you've heard me say it to you directly. But the day that I acknowledged publicly that I had been sexually abused as a child which was probably one of the most difficult things I could bring out into the world, was on your show. And I wasn't expecting to talk about it. And the only reason I could 
was because of your vulnerability and your truth and how safe you made me feel. So the through line here is not just that you guys are both awesome, not that you are both amazing mentors to me, podcast mentors to me, big brothers to me, even though you're younger, but you both have this beautiful, innate ability to make people feel safe. I want to start there. What does it mean to you, whoever wants to start, to feel safe in your own body, to feel safe in your life? Go for it. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, w- I was just actually with Jay last night talking about this, how I feel like I've learned how to keep myself safe physically from like playing sports. I grew up not feeling safe. So I said, how do I get bigger, faster, stronger so I can feel safe when I'm walking down the street and there's someone around me? I feel like I can physically protect myself. I feel like I could handle my situation or my environment. If I'm in a crowded area and something happens, I could protect or defend myself. That was something that became easy for me because it's something I knew well to do through sports. The challenging thing for me that took me a a long time to learn, which I've talked to Jay about this many times over the last four years, was how to emotionally feel safe with myself in intimate relationships. Not in friendships or in business relationships, but in or in family necessarily, but more intimate relationships. And for many years of my life, I wasn't safe because I continued to abandon my inner child. I continued to abandon the five-year-old that was sexually abused, the needs that he had in the moments as an adult. And it wasn't really until recently, until early, you know, seven, eight months ago, where I learned to become emotionally safe for myself and not abandon the things that I needed to fully love myself and feel protected emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And it's crazy to think that it took me 38 years to learn that healing integration process of feeling emotionally safe and intimacy. Again, physically safe. I've done that my entire life because that's what I did to protect myself originally from feeling emotionally abandoned. But the emotional safety, I I needed to learn how to heal the memories of the past, those feelings, that, that experience, and really start integrating through daily practices, which was scary to do, but now feels so freeing on the other side. And, and this is something I talk about with Jay all the time is, was how to get to that place. Jay really guided me in the journey as well. Well, your awareness of that is actually the first step to safety to recognize and identify, okay, my child part is activated and dissociated in these experiences. That awareness and ability to speak that truth is actually one of the most massive steps towards safety because then allows your adult part to, to bring him back to safety, right? I'm blown away. And also, it took me 41 years to figure that out, to get to that place. So 38, nice job. Nice yeah, job. Yeah, it's something I was showing Jay this last night. There's a photo on my phone of my five-year-old self, or maybe I was like six, but of that, that, that child that felt unsafe. That's right. And, and I have a conversation. When every time I pick up my phone, I see this photo and I have a conversation with, you know, little Lewis or the child that felt unsafe emotionally in an unstable environment. And I say, Hey, I'm here for you now. I've got your back. I'm doing the things that you needed then. Now I'm not going to abandon us anymore. I'm going to show up for you in a loving way. I'm going to give you the hug when you need the hug. I'm going to give you the pep talk when you need it. And I'm letting you know that you're emotionally and physically and spiritually safe now because I'm not abandoning you anymore. 
I get kind of emotional just saying it to myself right now because for so long, that's what I did. I was abandoning myself in certain situations, not every situation, but in certain situations. And it manifested in a lot of negative emotions, not feeling peace, you know, emotional suffering, whatever you want to call it. And I think it's probably why I've been on a journey for the last eight years of seeking, you know, wisdom on how to find that inner peace because there's always a part of me that kind of had like some lingering suffering, you know, and I wasn't sure how to fully let that go. And I think, and I'm sure the rest of my life I'll always be integrating healing because it's not a one-time event. It's a, a consistent journey, as you know, Gabby, but it just feels good to have the awareness and the tools to integrate it when I feel like a little off at times. And I just want to say one more thing before Jay goes, the biggest tool that you have now in your toolbox is your access to self energy, which you could call Big Lewis, you know, adult resourced self energy and the your ability to let him step in and care for little Lewis is the key to recovery. You literally nailed it. Like it's everything because as long as you know, you can come back to Big Lewis, adult self resourced Lewis, you are never unsafe. Right. Yeah. Feels good. It's like I have a bodyguard always protecting That's my beautiful. child, you know, wow. physically and spiritually. Let's go, world. That's right. That's right. That's right. I got you. I, I want to speak to more of that later, but I, I'm excited to hear from Jay. So so what makes you feel safe, baby? Yeah, I want to thank you as well, Gabby, and thank Lewis for for doing this together. And obviously, Gabby, for reaching out. And what you said was so true. I felt the same thing. And we ended up doing so many interviews together and you'd always be one call away. And, you know, I grew up at a time where I was watching you and Lewis just have such an incredible impact on the world. You guys have paved the way, you're trailblazers, you're both change makers doing so much incredible work. And so I was so grateful that when you went from being people that inspired me to people that were my friends and that you were even better in person and even more loving and kind on a call. And so I just want to say for everyone who, who wants to meet you both that I can definitely say as someone who started as a, off as a fan and now is still a fan, but your friend, I would say that, you know, both of you are just even more wonderful in person. I'm so grateful that I get to experience that. So thank you so much. I feel safe. You said to go deep, so I'm not, I'm not going to hold back. I feel safe when I'm in alignment with my divine service. So when I feel like I'm serving when I feel that I'm surrendering to divine will or divine guidance, I feel safe when I realize that actually everything that's happening around me, that's not real. Like that's not really what's going on. It's about how I respond. It's about how I live and navigate the challenges and the stress and the pressure that comes. And what's truly real is how I serve, how I live, how I try to support others. And I do feel safety in service. I feel whenever there's uncertainty in life, whenever there are challenges in life, I gravitate towards service and seeing how I can serve myself and others with their supreme good, because I just feel that's connecting me back to my source. That's connecting me back to exactly what I'm meant to be doing. There's many ways I could protect myself or hope that I feel safe because I've created enough strength or wealth or support or network or all of that stuff that we all know that ultimately that all fades away. And when I looked at my friend, I recently lost my friend. He was my best friend when I was a monk. He was like a brother to me. He was still a monk when he passed away. And we only had a couple of years different. He was 35 years old when he 
passed away a month ago. Sorry. And no, and and actually the thing was, thank you, Gabby, but also the thing was with him is that he, you know, we teach people how to live and he was showing me how to die. Mm-hmm. And I got to speak to him three days before he passed away, not knowing that he only had three days left. I thought maybe he had three months. And I spoke to him and he was beaming and he was laughing and he was emaciated, but I could see his teeth wide and bright. And he was just ready for what was coming. And I realized that he felt safe because he felt divine protection at that time. And that's when nothing else mattered. Nothing, no one that he'd met, nothing that he'd lived, nothing that he'd accomplished or achieved. None of that made him feel safe. What made him feel safe is that he felt he had divine shelter. And so when you ask us to go deep and big, sorry, I had to dive in, but... I Don't apologize to me. I like it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that that's what it is for me. And I saw that in him. I saw that he felt safe at the most difficult time in life. Interestingly, both of your answers are actually the same because that connection to resourced self is a connection to divine wisdom, divine truth. It's very, it's comparable in my language and in my perception, it's comparable to feeling the connection to higher power. It's, and it's not just, oh, Lewis, the ego human, like his perception of himself, it's his inner strength and wisdom. And so I believe that would be the same definition of a God or a higher power or a divine. That's just, again, my interpretation. And just be careful because I'm going to just keep dear Gab being the shit out of both of you because this is what I do Um, and pointing things out that I identify. But it was interesting because I was listening to your podcast, Jay, about you did a whole episode on attachment styles. And I was really fast. I knew exactly what I was. I mean, I was like all the way through just this totally anxious attached person. I knew it was an insecure attachment. And frankly, I was kind of answering the questions because you did a whole series of questions to help them us find out our attachment style. Beautiful episode. But I was really curious about what you would come back with. And I had a sense that you were going to be a securely attached person. And you are. And then when I asked you this question, I was like, how does a securely attached person answer that question? And it makes a lot of sense now that this would be your response. Good to know. Yeah, there's yeah. a great book, if anyone hasn't read it, by, I think it's Amir Levine Attached. and Rachel Heller. And it's called Attached. It's a fantastic book that I use yeah. as the basis of that episode. Yeah, really good book. Really good book. We'll put it in the show notes. It's, it's a, And it's funny because, you know, my attachment style was so, it, it has been an anxious attachment style. So one of the reasons why I feel so safe with both of you is because I feel so seen by both of you, genuinely seen. Not seen like, oh, Gabby, we love you, but seen in the sense of, some people that can hold me in all that I am and really genuinely present with me. That makes me feel safe. I love that. And yeah, Gabby, to be honest as well, there was a big chunk of my life that I would have considered myself avoidant. So for anyone who's listening, just to simplify, you're either anxious, avoidant, or secure. And you'll find that those are quite evenly split. And most people spend obviously more of their life in anxious and avoidant. And a big part of that is our relationship with our parents, our first loves and other relationships we've had. So for a big part of my life, I would say I was actually avoidant because that was the atmosphere that I was raised in. Right. And so it took me a long time to move towards secure. And I still feel that we're always on a spectrum and you're just trying to move closer to being secure. You're never truly fully secure. You're always somewhere on the pendulum yeah. swing and the spectrum. And so just to clarify that too, that I also started out as avoidant and have tried to healthily move towards secure. 
I agree. I think that when I was answering the questions, I was answering them based on sort of the, the knee-jerk reactions, but I know that security is so much stronger than it ever was. I really believe that. Okay, we're going for it, guys. Well, let's talk about your, both of you have this beautiful ability to be vulnerable, which as men isn't always that simple, isn't always that easy, particularly men in the public eye. I just really want to acknowledge that I think it's what people fall in love with most in any human is their ability to be authentically vulnerable and truthful. So what does it mean to you to be vulnerable? And when do you know that you're really allowing that to come through? I'll go first this time, Lewis. You can get more time to think this time because you you bailed me out on the last (laughs) one. And I really admire this about Lewis too. And he said, we were together last night and we've been hanging out a lot lately again. So it's been a lot of fun. But For me, vulnerability is really interesting because one of the loving exchanges in the tradition I lived in as a monk, there's six loving exchanges. They are giving and receiving gifts. It's giving and receiving food. And then the the last two are giving and receiving confidential, vulnerable information. So actually, one of the loving exchanges in spiritual culture is to give and receive vulnerably. Uh, and to experience that from someone else. So for me, vulnerability has always been about opening up to someone that you believe can support, help, encourage, guide, steer you in a journey and a direction that's going to better your life. And so I do often, to be quite honest, reflect on today's definition of vulnerability where it's like, everyone's just like, well, tell Instagram, or you have to tell Facebook, or you have to tell everyone. And that to me, I, I don't count that as a definition of vulnerability. I count that as a degree of vulnerability that you open yourself up to based on who you want to share things with. But I think vulnerability is sharing with someone who is worthy of what you're trying to share. Mm -hmm. And where you feel, as you've said many times in this conversation, where you feel that sense of safety and confidentiality and trust. So to me, vulnerability is sharing and listening with trust. And sometimes that happens on a mass scale and sometimes it happens in a small, intimate way. And I think there are things about all of us that we would say everyone knows. And there are things about all of us that only one person knows. And there's beauty in that as much as there is in the scale. And so to me, vulnerability is really being careful and being conscious about who we share what with, because that's what vulnerability is. It's that subtlety of how we share, who we share, why we share. The question about why we share is so important, right? Vulnerability is about why we share. Are we sharing because we want to create a connection, because we want to open up so that we can let go of some baggage? Or are we sharing because we want to be perceived in certain ways? So for me, vulnerability is everything about why we share, how we share, who we share it with, and what we share. Yeah, totally. Before even, Lewis, you, you say anything, I want to, first of all, that was beautiful. And I acknowledge that when we're vulnerable in public, it's extremely different than being vulnerable in an intimate relationship. So this is where I want to tee you up, Lewis, because I found, and we have a similar history of childhood abuse and trauma, and that trauma sending us into these very scared places, I found it much easier to be extraordinarily raw and vulnerable in front of thousands of strangers on stage 
than I did with my most intimate relationships. So much so that my my husband was reading my latest book, which will be out in February. And it's about my trauma recovery. And some of the things I wrote in that book, he had never even really heard me say. So I'm not sure if that's been your experience, but tell us what yours has been. Wow. Yeah, for, I mean, for me, I <laughs> never shared anything vulnerable for most of my life until probably 30, around there. Every time something would come up, especially speaking about the sexual abuse stuff, like every time something would come up where family would ask me something or, you know, a girlfriend would ask me like, you know, why are you this way? You know, why do you react in this way? Why do you get angry when this happens? Why do you try to defend yourself when someone, you take something personally from someone? Why do you act this way? And I only gave them surface levels, responses. I didn't actually like allow myself to be like, well, this happened and this happened. I just never thought that was a possibility because I just thought it was weakness. You know, you never, I never saw something, a model or an example like that from peers, kids, people that I had growing up with. I don't want to say never and always, but I don't remember seeing a model like that. And in fact, when anyone shared a shred of vulnerability in terms of like peers, schoolmates, athlete, teammates, when they showed a little bit of vulnerability, it was almost like they were shamed and bullied and made fun of. Yeah. And so in a world where specifically me, I just wanted to belong as a kid because I didn't feel like I had many friends. I just wanted to, you know... Oh, I have a few people that want to hang out with me. Great. I don't want to do anything that'll make them push me away. And so when I would witness that, I would just be like, well, I'm never going to share these things. If I'm going to get laughed at and, you know, made fun of and, and pushed out of the, the friend group or whatever. And it wasn't until I went to a workshop where I actually opened up about sexual abuse eight, a little over eight years ago. And I remember feeling like my life is over. Like I just shared this thing, but no one knew who I was, but I felt like my life is over. This whole room is going to judge me, you know. I'm not going back in the room. It took like seven days for me to actually open up about it in this kind of emotional intelligence training. And one of the most beautiful things that happened probably in my life was I ran out of the room after talking about sexual abuse for the first time, a 30-year-old man, to this group of maybe 40 strangers. And I was like, I'm not going back in. And probably five minutes later, one by one, all the men in the room came out and gave me a hug and looked me in the eyes and were like, you're my hero. I trust you more than ever. Like I was, you know, I liked you before, but now I'll do whatever, anything you say, I'm here for you. And I was like, what? It, it kind of took me back because these are grown men. Most of them were older than me. They were coming up, hugging me, some of them crying. And then some of them opening up and saying, there was a guy who was like 58 years old, who was like, I've been married for 20 something years. I've got four kids. My wife and my kids don't know. This happened to me when I was 11. Yeah. Another, another guy came up and said something similar. And I was just like, first off, I'm overwhelmed because I just shared something vulnerable. Then I'm hearing other men open up, which I'd never heard other men talk yeah. like this. Yeah. And I was just like, what is this? You know, what is this? Now I thought maybe this is just because we're in a safe environment and this is a workshop and People feel like they can do this, but they can't do this out in the real world, right? And I remember thinking for a, a couple of months after this, huh, like, could I actually share with this with my family or my friends? Could they know this about me? Or would my life really be over and they'd all not want to speak to me again? And I remember working with some therapists at the time, and one, and one of them, I said, if I was going to have the courage to speak to my family about this or a friend, how would I even set up the context? How would the conversation begin? 
And this one therapist said, ask the question to each family member first. Is there anything I could ever say or do that would make you not love me? Then wait to see how they respond. If they say yes, uh, lots of things, then maybe don't tell them. Maybe they're not ready to hear it. But if they respond in a way that makes you feel seen and safe and uh, open, then feel free to share. And so I did that with all of my family members, my siblings and my mom. And I called each one of them terrified and said, is there anything, you know, I've got something I want to share with you. I'm a little scared and a little nervous, but is there, before I, I share with you, is there anything that I could ever say or do that would make you not love me? And each one of them said, absolutely not. Especially my brother right away. Like before I could even finish the sentence, he was like, absolutely not. And the reason he said that is because he went to prison when he was younger for four and a half years. And I think he felt a lot of shame. So he was like, I've done the worst thing, the most shameful thing in the family. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. I'm always going to love you. I may be, you know, sad for you. I may be disappointed, but I'm always going to love you. And that was what I needed to hear for me to feel safe and seen to be able to share vulnerably. And when I shared with each one of them, I did it in a private one-on-one conversation with each one of them. When I did that, it was almost like our relationship transcended to another level, each one of them, because they heard something that they'd never heard from me, like Jay was sharing. And each one of them shared something vulnerable in return. I didn't ask them to. They were just like, you know, when I was 16, something, you know, this happened to me. When I was 21, I was dealing with something with this relationship and it made me feel super insecure and shameful about it. And we had a a conversation, a a give and take of vulnerable intimacy that I was like, wow, I respect you. I love you more. Like I have this deeper connection and relationship now. And the more that I started to implement this conversation by asking friends and going through, I was like, okay, my family has to love me no matter what I say, but will my friends accept me? So there's layers of like levels of fear and insecurity of like who you reveal, I guess, this to. And so I started to share this with some of my closest friends because I felt like I wanted my friends to know who I was and to know like the thing I was most ashamed of because I felt like I was holding back. I felt like I was not lying necessarily, but like not revealing myself fully. And and I felt like I I just wanted people to know. And I also wanted them to know because I was afraid I was still afraid that if people knew, maybe they wouldn't love me. And I didn't want to live in fear anymore. So I started telling friends one by one. And then I remember saying like, okay, I feel good. My friends still love me. And and if not stronger, my family loves me, if not stronger. And I felt like because I I started building this platform, I was like, man, I probably need to do this because I'm afraid of what people think of me still, like my audience. And so that's when I started to talk about it more publicly. Because I felt like, you know, from all the boys, you know, for me growing up, I didn't see a model of a guy that looked like me, who was a former athlete, you know, tall Midwest guy talking about these things. And I felt like this was an opportunity to hopefully help other men who felt like they could never share even with their spouse for decades. And so that's why I decided to do it. And it, and it helped me overcome my fear and it helped me feel like more connected. And I've always felt since then that the, really the key to fulfillment in life is within the relationships you have, the relationship with yourself and other people. And the key to those fulfilling relationships is vulnerability. I just want to acknowledge your bravery to speak about it because one in four people are sexually abused, but it's very difficult for men 
to speak out about that kind of trauma. And it's men like you, like Dax Shepard, like Tim Ferriss, who I want to shout out that podcast that he did. And I'll put it in the show notes where he revealed his childhood sexual abuse and, and having the ability to be that vulnerable publicly as a man is is a different thing. I really want to acknowledge that because when I started telling my friends about what happened to me, I kid you not, not one of my female friends that I revealed my sexual trauma to did not have a story of their own. Not one. And of course, as I started to tell the story further and further, then there were some friends that, but, but every friend had some experience in some way. Maybe it wasn't exactly like mine. So I find that while that's horrific, it's much more socially acceptable for a woman to come out about this stuff, particularly now. And it's also more socially acceptable for, for men to come out and, and speak up about these things now. So it's a beautiful world that we're living in that this is becoming something that is so honored and held in, in our society. But I just want to give you a big shout out for that bravery and acknowledge that what you've done is also given so many other men permission to speak up and tell their truth as well. Absolutely. I appreciate it. It's one in four women and then one in six men have been sexually abused. There's a great resource, oneinsix.org for men on how to really open up and communicate and do all these things. So oneinsix.org. Great resource. Beautiful. And you know what? It's probably more. It's probably more. A lot of people that listen to this show have trauma that they've come to not necessarily come here for the therapeutic support. They need to do that with their therapist, but they come here to remember they're not alone in it. And just being able to give voice to it naturally is such a blessing for somebody who's been through that kind of hell and back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you're listening to Dear Gabby, you know that I am always really encouraging you to take your healing and your beautiful personal growth work to the next level with therapeutic practices. And that's why I love that BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. And you're going to hear me say it. You're going to hear me say it over and over again. Okay, we just scratched the surface here on Dear Gabby. Now, what are you going to do next? What's the next move? It's about taking your practice to a professional therapist, working closely on the stuff that's hidden the parts of us that we've been exiling and allowing ourselves to be guided and held. I often say that I've been in therapy most of my life and it's also what gave me life. As soon as I'm done recording today, off to my therapist. <laughs> so I, I can't emphasize enough the value of this type of relationship and how much it will offer you and how much healing you will receive. BetterHelp will match you with your own licensed professional therapist that you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions or send a private message to your counselor at any time. BetterHelp makes it easy to connect in a safe and private online environment. There's no need to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. You can see a therapist right from the comfort of your own home. And best of all, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and there's financial aid available. They have licensed counselors who are specialized for depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, LGBTQ matters, self-esteem, and so much more. BetterHelp is professional, affordable, convenient, and anything you share is confidential. I want you to start living a happier life today. I want you to take your happiness into your own hands. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash Gabby. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's 
B E T T E R H E L P dot com slash Dear Gabby. So here's a lighter question. <laughs> and it's actually like big talk is big talk. I don't really think that, you know, sometimes when we talk about heavy things, I'm not sure if this happens on your show, you can start being like, oh no, like, did I go too far with all the negative conversation? Those are always the shows that people are most deeply moved by and supported by, you know? And by no means am I suggesting that we shouldn't be talking about the heavy stuff because that's what people need most. But on a, a lighter topic, the two of you are really excellent interviewers. And I think that skill is something that's a natural skill, but it's also a developed skill. And so I don't identify as a good interviewer. I'm such a talker, but I want to learn from you both because I will tell you, I've said this publicly to so many people and to my publicist, she can actually attest to this, that the two of you are my favorite interviews. Like forget being interviewed by Oprah. Like I being interviewed by Lewis and Jay is like the holy grail. <laughs> I appreciate it. I mean it. I really mean it. So, what do you, what, Jay? What's what's the secret, and what's your secret, or what's natural about it for you? Wow, that that's such an interesting question. Yeah, Lewis is a fantastic interviewer, so definitely saying yes to that. And I think this is the first time you're interviewing me, Gabby. So, I'm, I know. I'm also I'm also enjoying this. <laughs> but let me think. I'll start and let Jay think since he he passed. Go on, Lewis. Go on. Time. But maybe I'll share. I'll come up with three things, and you can come up with three things that. That make for a great interview. The, the first thing for me is always intention, just like intention with my day, intention before a meal, before a big sporting game, a practice, whatever it is. I'm like, what's my intention out of this? So I set an intention for every interview. And uh, obviously, being researched and watching and consuming some of the content of the person and researching them so I can feel the energy of, well, okay, what was my intention that my audience is going to want from this? What do they need that maybe they've never shared or maybe they have shared and they need to share more of that my audience needs right now? So I start with intention. What does my audience need? How can I ask the questions to serve that need at the highest level? So that's one. Number two is the pre-show. is actually the conversation before the show. The interaction before the show, for me, is the show. Without that interaction, there is no powerful, vulnerable, meaningful, inspiring show. And so it's how I show up for the person the moment they enter the door. I had uh, Dr. Phil on yesterday. And right when he walked in, I just opened my arms and said, Dr. Phil. I just, I was like, what's the energy I would want when someone welcomes me? And obviously we all have different energy and different personality types, but for me that works. And uh, right away, connected with him. And I asked him a few questions when, after he sat down, I said, is there anything off limits, which is something that, that you did Gabby as well. And then I also say my intention and I speak my intention to that guest. And I say, my intention is to make this the most powerful interview you've ever done so that we can impact more lives together. Is there anything off limits? And then I let them speak. And when I say my intention, they kind of be like, they get in their chair, like, Oh, okay, we're going to go there. Like, okay. Like, yeah. Oh, you've told me this intention. This is where you're coming from. So now I got to match that or hopefully come up to that level. So that's the second thing. And the third thing for me is acknowledgement. I think the, one of the, the most basic needs that we all have is to be seen and heard and acknowledged. It's like something we all desire and all want to be seen, heard, and acknowledged. And I don't think we acknowledge each other enough. So I've made it a practice. Both of you have been on my show. You hear me at the end, acknowledge both of you for the gift that I witnessed in that time together. 
And for me, I want people to come in feeling good and I want people <laughs> to leave feeling good. And for me, that's what makes a good interview process. Obviously, it's, you know, being an active listener and all these things. And I'll let, I won't say anything else so Jay can share his three so I don't steal them all. But I think the intention of the pre-show and acknowledgement. What's the secret to being an active listener? You are so good at it. You are so good at it. Well, let's let Jay go first and I'll come back to it. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to take He's it. He's like, I just want to listen to Jay. <laughs> let's go. All right. Yeah. The reason why I took a beat to really think about that question was because I think my approach to interviewing someone has always been very internal. And I necessarily, it's one of the few areas of my life that I probably haven't codified or created an acronym out of or something, you know, all the other lovely stuff I like to do. But it's probably an area of my life where I haven't done that. So I really was thinking about it when you asked me. And I'd say one of the biggest things that has taken me a while to get to, but I do this and I hear Lewis do it and I'm, I hear you do it and what you're doing today is what's the question that only I can ask this person? Like what's the conversation that only I would have with this person? Because the people that we're interviewing are interesting. They're fascinating. They've lived amazing lives. They've got a lot to share. But the lens we have is different. And that serves a community. And to me, that's so important. So I'll give you an example. I remember when uh, Kobe Bryant came on the podcast. And Lewis has a phenomenal interview with Kobe Bryant. But here's the thing. I'm not a basketball expert. I know a bit about basketball. My sport of choice is soccer and football. So if I sit down with a soccer star, I know every stat and data point and I can analyze performance. I don't have that for basketball or American football. But we talked about storytelling. We talked about legacy. We talked about what he was doing in his retirement, which was creating programs for children and to change people's mindsets. And I realized that's a conversation I could have with him. I, I couldn't have the best conversation with him about who's the best basketball player in the world and what was the best game you ever played. That's not who I am. Lewis can have a great athlete conversation with him. I'm not an athlete. And so I think owning your own truth in an interview is so important because otherwise you're trying to catch up and trying to play a role that you don't really uh, have the skills to play. So to me, that's one of the biggest things to think about. I'll do three like Lewis did. The first one is, what is the question or what is the conversation that only you could have with this person? I find that to be such an excellent response. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that was awesome. Keep going. I love that response. <laughs> I think the other one for me is, you asked Lewis about how he's such an active listener. And, and I agree with you. Whenever I'm with Lewis, even if we're offline, he's an active listener in, in all fields of life, not just on his podcast. And I believe that the key to being an active listener is to ask questions that you actually care about the answer. And I think so many of us ask questions where we hope someone's going to give a kind of answer or we kind of predict their answer anyway, or we just through a question because it's the first thing that came to our mind or we didn't really get it or we didn't really prepare. And the truth is, if you're not really interested in the answer and the only way you're going to be interested in the answer is if you're interested in the question. And I think a lot of us are not deeply interested. Even when you ask someone every day, hey, how was your day? Is that the most interesting question you could ask someone? What if you ask them, what was your highlight of your day? Or what was the biggest thing you learned today? I promise you, if you ask that question, you're going to be a much more active listener than how was your day? Because you kind of expect someone to say, it was fine. 
And you go, oh yeah, okay, cool. So was mine. And that's it. And that's the level of your conversation. So I remember reading about something that I call the emotional vocabulary. Harvard calls it the emotions list. And it talks about how we all respond to questions with five key words, good, bad, okay, fine, hmm. How was your day? Good. How was your week? Bad. How are you feeling? Mm. So we have a very limited emotional vocabulary. And that's because we answer the same boring questions on a daily basis with the same boring limited answers. So that's my second tip. And the third one that I'd say, which I really value, is that I really try before I interview someone, as Lewis said, the pre-show, for me, a lot of the time I've been and Gabby, this was in case with you after a few times and Lewis as well, when he came on the show, a lot of the people I have on the show have become friends before they became interviews. And so I like to have somewhat of an offline relationship with someone I'm interviewing if I have the opportunity, because it means we can go somewhere that where we've already had this question offline and now we can dive deeper and explore it. So often I'll wait to interview someone if I have them in my personal life because I actually feel that the more time we spend offline, the better that online conversation is going to be. I just learned so much. That was so good. Thank you both. It was really awesome. I just want to repeat back the first one because I was so excited about it. So that you want to ask people the questions that you genuinely want to know that are related to you as a human. I think that's that only so, you can ask that, that you, because only Gabby, you can you have ask. A unique, yeah, you have a unique community. Lewis has a unique community. I have a unique community and we all have a unique story. And there are questions that Lewis can ask that me and you can't ask. There are questions you can ask that me and Lewis can't ask. And there are questions I can ask that you and Lewis can't ask. And I think the mistake happens when we all feel we have to ask the question that the guest can answer. And the worst is when you're being interviewed by someone who you know doesn't care about what they're asking you. And then when you answer, they're like, uh-huh, beautiful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Next question. <laughs> you're just like, <laughs> so I just, and that, that's not just because they don't care, but sometimes people aren't as great as interviewing as others. But I think these are beautiful qualities, not just as interviewers, but also as humans when you're engaged with others in relationship, in general, in life. One of the things that I love to do most particularly now, since I've felt quite locked up over COVID and being protective of myself at this time, I'm so yearning for connection and I am such an extrovert. And I was talking to my therapist about this because I'm such an extreme extrovert that it's been extraordinarily heartbreaking to be so in. I as much as I am so grateful that I have this toddler that keeps me on my toes and my amazingly beautiful husband and the ability to speak to people like this regularly, I am such a social person. I want to be in massive crowds of people just talking for hours. It is what gives me energy. It's what gives me life. So it's been a big struggle for me to not have that. But it's heartbreaking. It's catching up with me. It's catching up with me. You know, I think I hung out, hung in and hung in. And it's not that we can't be out a little bit more than we used to be or whatever, but in my circumstances, the mom is still being quite protective. And so I just don't run around like I would have otherwise. And I'm not hosting live events and it's catching up to me. And so, I mean, do you guys have any advice for me <laughs> for being an extrovert that needs connection 
Because like I'm in the grocery store and I'm like, hey, honey, how you do it? Like just to everybody. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I love those bananas. Those bananas are the best bananas. Like I'm just talking to everyone because I need that so deeply. Like I go to pick up at my kid's school and I'm like to every mom, I'm like, so what nail polish are you wearing? Because that's a beautiful color. And I just go on and on because I need that so badly wherever I can get it. So any advice? So I don't make the moms that pick up think I'm crazy. <laughs> I mean, it just depends on what you're capable of doing right now. But I, I think being in LA, you know, there's a few friends that were able to see each other every couple of weeks. And me and Jay make it a point to like be in a, a safe environment and see each other and, you know, be at his home or something or my place and just, hey, we're going to schedule seeing each other yeah. frequently so that we can be around you know, each other as opposed to just isolate the whole time. So finding a few people that you can see regularly where you feel safe, you know, and hang out at the grocery store more. I know. The grocery store. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough question, Gabby, because, you know, I, and I feel what you're saying. I, I felt like I adapted, I shifted, I evolved. And then I was like, okay, now it's just getting too much. Like, you know, it was like I, after 18 months, I think everyone's patience starts to, you know, dissolve. So I can relate to that. And obviously I can't imagine when you're pregnant and you know you wanting to get out there and be out there. I, I personally think that I I feel like I know you. And even though I haven't spoken to you for a bit, I feel like you know the gifts that are also there in deep solitude. And I think you're one of those people that can uncover those in a really deep profound and meaningful way. And I agree with everything Lewis said and all the ways you're doing, but I also think that sometimes we're just being forced more into understanding the gifts and the depths of solitude and the power of being, using this time as gaining power and strength so that we can give and serve and move because we all know that we also sometimes end up at the other end of the spectrum where we're just giving, we're giving, and we're now giving our leftovers to everyone and we're just surviving that third interview in the day or that next press clip or we're going on another stage and we want to serve and give, but it's like we're, we're tired and we're de-energized. And so I feel that just as we go all out on the giving, I think now's the time to go all in on the building and strengthening so that we can do that again. So I agree with what Lewis said, and I'm sure you're coming up with creative ways, but I feel like there's something in the gifts of solitude. I, I'm really grateful for that acknowledgement and reminder. And I think that this actually, this past year and a half or however long it's been longer now, has been extraordinary from that standpoint. I have completely stepped into this massive relationship with spirit guides. I have been channeling more than ever before. Sometimes I start channeling on my show. I always am channeling because I'm listening, but I sometimes am hearing directive from people's guides or my guides. So that is a big gift that happened from not being, because if you're so busy and so busy, you can't be still enough to receive that guidance. So for me, I receive it as spiritual as a sense, as an essence, as a knowing. Everybody has different ways of understanding and acknowledging the ways that they channel. But I, I really want to acknowledge that. And also that there's so much good that has come from this. This show wouldn't exist if I hadn't been home. If I hadn't been home wanting to do my service, this would not be 
in my existence. This is, you guys know, I was never doing a podcast. You know that. And you always were both like, why aren't you doing a podcast? And here we are. So, you know, I, I just want to acknowledge that is exactly right. And I also want to thank you, Lewis, because what you said is exactly right too, which is because I need and crave that relationship connection. It's also, I have this other hurdle, which is I have a small child, which is a little bit of a hurdle at this time because I don't want to bring him into too many big environments too. So we're working it out. But to make specific times, I met a girlfriend for a half an hour for a coffee today in between a doctor's appointment and the pickup at kids' school. And that was so fueling for me. I like took a photo of her. I was like, I need to bottle this moment, you know, and that making it a priority the same way we would make our meditation a priority or our work a priority to be with those people that we feel safe with is necessary, I think, for all of us at this time. And I think, Gabby, like what you just said, like going out and doing experiences together, that way you're outdoors, so it's already safer. And you're actually getting to experience people in a different setting. I think, you know, Lewis and I've been talking about this and me and my wife have really been talking about this. We found that connecting with someone else while doing an activity together, whether it's recently we did pottery, we did painting, we did bowling, we did archery, we did just all these outdoor activities where you can be socially distanced. You're less, you know, you're less feeling like you're stuck in a place and you're not eating or doing anything where you're, too close or anything that makes anyone feel uncomfortable. And I think that's what I realized for me, at least, is also making me feel like I'm active, I'm out there, I'm physically present, I'm mentally present. So I think as much as you can, even if it's with one couple or a couple of friends, getting out there and doing something active and practical has been huge for me and my wife, at least. I think people took more walks during this COVID experience than they've ever in their life. There's lots of walking happening out there. Walking, listening to podcasts. Dosist Health is an award-winning modern wellness brand that focuses on natural quality of life wellness solutions. Since 2016, Dosist has been committed to harnessing the healing power of cannabis and providing natural plant-based therapies delivered through dose-controlled technology that is consistent, effective, and predictable. If you're like me and millions of Americans who struggle with everyday aches and pains, you'll be very excited to learn about Dosis Health's Relief Topical product line. Dosis Health's Topical Relief range provides a new approach to pain relief in three effective formats. There is Dosis Health Relief Roll-On, which helps deliver pain relief in a convenient on-the-go roll-on. And there's the Relief Roll-On that combines a potent dose of CBD with other active plant ingredients like menthol and arnica. If you prefer a rich hydrating solution, the Dosis Health Relief CBD and Lotion combine CBD with soothing active plant ingredients in a luxurious and moisturizing lotion, providing the ultimate self-care experience. Or if you try my favorite, which is the most advanced relief product in the Dosis Health topical lineup, it's the Performance Spray with NanoBlend technology for rapid absorption. The high-concentration lightweight oil is an innovative and fast-acting solution to help with aches, pains, and recovery from a hard workout. Find the relief product range and whole Dosist Health lineup today at dosisthealth.com. That's D-O-S-I-S-T-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. Use promo code DEARGABBY for 20% off your purchase now through December 31st, 2021. So many of our Dear Gabby guests come on and have a very common issue. It's so common. I've seen it for my entire career, frankly. It's this 
desire to fulfill a higher purpose and to bring that purpose into their career so that they can act on it daily, so that they can be abundant doing purpose-driven work that they love. Does that sound familiar to you? I know we've all been there. There's all of us have this longing within us that says, I want to go in that direction. But there's also these voices of fear that hold us back and keep us stuck and tell us, who am I to do that? How could I possibly make money doing something that I love? How could I have a career that would be purpose-driven and abundant? Well, I'm going to bust all those myths right now. And you know I love to give a great Gabby kick in the ass. And that's why I created something extremely special for you, my dear Gabby listeners, those of you out there who feel like you are sitting on your purpose, you're denying your abundance, you're denying your opportunity to live and work in a way that is super fulfilling and super abundant. And so I created something for you. I created my free training, your five-step guide to unlock your purpose and abundance. And in this free training, I share the methods that I've used to fulfill my own purpose in life. I share the exact methods that I've used to turn my purpose into an abundant life, an abundant business, and to be able to give back to the world. And so you have that same presence of purpose within you. I mean that. I want you to hear me when I say that. You have it in you. But it's likely that you might be blocking it. You may be putting it under lock and key, but it's your moment. This is your moment. You have an opportunity. Just follow my guidance. It's totally free. I'm here to hook you up. Just head over to DearGabby.com slash purpose. Join me for my free training, the five steps to unlock your purpose and abundance. I'm so excited to share this with you. Head over to deargabby.com forward slash purpose. This is going to rock your world. And I want you to experience this journey for yourself. I want you to know what it's like to wake up every single day so psyched to do the work that you do and to allow the universe to reciprocate and to allow the universe to support your every move. When you work and live in alignment with that genuine purpose, everything you need to move forward will unfold naturally. Head over to deargabby.com slash purpose and join me for my free training, the five steps to unlock your purpose in abundance. So you're talking about your wife and I really love, you and your wife have a very innocent public experience. Like the, the joy that you share, I'm talking to Jay specifically here, the joy that you guys share in in social and in, in now in collaboration as you launch this tea line, Sama, which is epic. And I want you to talk about it. It's fun. And, you know, I don't share my relationship publicly, mainly because of my husband's just a very private person. I probably would show him much more publicly if he wasn't, but I'm private about my whole family. I don't have my son on social, nothing like that. But when you guys are in my view, you know, I only see you on Instagram, I haven't hung out in person with her too much yet. It's so innocent and playful. And I just want to hear what that means to you and what it means to you to be working more closely with her now. Yeah, definitely. So Radhi was similar. She was very shy and not public when we first met. She wasn't the person who would want to be on stage or in front of camera. And for years, I, I also didn't share us or, or her And then I interviewed her on my podcast as my first ever guest. So that was about two and a half years ago now. And she received so much love and presence through it and connection. And then I remember it was just this one moment where I record videos of her, as you do of your partner, all the time. 
And Radhi's one of these people that she's always dancing around the house. She's always playful and she's always messing around. And so I'm always taking video to send to her mom usually or her dad or her family back at home, especially because they miss us a lot and we miss them. We, we haven't seen them for a long time. And so I'm usually making these videos. So a few years ago, I was making these videos and then one of them was just hilarious. It was a song that she made about what she does every day in the house. And I said to her, I said, I just want you to share that online because it, it made me laugh and it brought me so much joy. I promise you it's going to make other people happy. And I said, I just want you to share it because it's hilarious. And she was like, no, you find me funny because you're my husband and, you know, we have the same sense of humor and not, no one else will find me funny. I was like, no, trust me, you're hilarious. Like, I would be honest with you. I, I think you're hilarious. You have to say this. And so anyway, she put it out and, and the, you know, the response she got was beautiful and she never stopped since that day. And she's so found her purpose over the last five years we've been married and eight years that we've been together. And she's just really come into her own. And it's the most fun thing to watch as a partner, to see your partner find their purpose. But going back to that playful, that's her. She's naturally playful. I believe I married her because she made me not take life too seriously. She was always happy to let go and sing or dance at any moment of the day. She is spontaneous and childlike in the best sense. And when I say childlike, I, I mean that through the, that innocent quality, that pure good-heartedness that she has. And, you know, she just has beautiful parents, beautiful family. And I just feel very lucky to have that in my life because I genuinely feel that I can be quite disciplined and driven and focused and put my head down and get to it. And she'll always just come and do the most ridiculous dance. And even though I'm trying to be focused and trying to be disciplined, I'll break and it'll be great. It's what I need. So we really complement each other in that sense. I feel I add discipline and structure to her life and she adds spontaneity and playfulness to mine. And now that we've started working professionally together, I don't think we could have done that before this state in our relationship. So if we started working together when we first got married, I don't think we would have had enough awareness to navigate the waters that come with working together. So I feel like five years into our marriage and eight years into our relationship, we know what our strengths and weaknesses are. I know that Radhi's going to be late to meetings and potentially not turn up. She knows that I know nothing about food, about herbs, about flavor to do with any. I can taste stuff, but I don't know how to blend stuff or create stuff. I know that she's going to have these brilliant brainstorming creative ideas at the last minute, but they're going to be phenomenal and we'll have to do them. And she knows I'm going to find that momentum. So I think that now that we're creating something, we're creating it at a time when we can trust each other with how we're dividing up the work and the ideas and everything else that's coming with it without having some of the baggage that we would have had if we did this together five years ago. And I'll be honest with you, the reason I wanted to start something with Radhi is my favorite days in life are when we're on set, when we're together working together, because she doesn't work. She just plays, even at work. And that's the most fun thing that I could ever ask for because my day just flies by and I, I, would, I want to create a life where I can just be with her, working with her every single day. So I'm trying to do that. She probably wants a bit more space than that. Yeah. <laughs> at least, <laughs> well, at least she brings time. out that little boy playfulness in you, which I see so clearly in all of the posts that you do together. So that is actually probably such a joyful feeling. But what you also acknowledged was one of the keys to success in partnership when you're married and working together. And I can speak to this really authentically. I've been working with very closely with my husband for seven, eight, almost eight years. 
the key is that neither one of you want to be the other person. You both want to be in your own lane and your lanes complement each other magnificently. And I think where a lot of working partnerships, marriages or lovers that work together can get into trouble is when they both want to be the star, they both want to be the creative, or they both want to be the, the leader, whatever it is. Of course, there's places where, like Zach and I don't overlap in many places at all, you know? In leading the team, we do. And that's where we have to really come together and collab. But we are very much in our own lane and we don't want to be one another. And then, of course, elevating and supporting each other. It's going to work. So Sama, I want to come back to the tea because it's beautiful. I love it. I'm a tea, I'm a tea junkie and I'm a big fan. And I will show you my tea closet is really, it's, it's pretty serious. Now, Lewis... Here we go, man. Strap on your seatbelt, baby. Okay. <laughs> I believe that you might be one of the most eligible bachelors at this moment in time. Am I correct? <laughs> well, uh, I'm in a relationship now. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! Every single woman just stopped listening. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so you were in a new relationship. Brand, like, uh, weeks new. Wow. 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 Okay. Wow, lucky lady. And I mean, the whole, okay, so he, so my mind is blown. Uh-huh. You're in a new relationship. Yeah, completely other questions for me. But no. it's, not a, it's not so much. I think that they're the same. I, I actually, so you speak so openly about relationships and you're always interested in relationships in your podcast and you're really looking for conversation about relationships. So whether it's this relationship or, or future or whatever, maybe this is it, what is it that you want most out of your romantic to partnerships. Feel free. Freedom. Interesting. To feel wow. Freedom. To feel free to be myself, free to express myself, free to pursue my dreams the way I want to pursue them, to feel free to hang out with the people I want to hang out with, my friends, to travel when I want, need to travel, to be free to be trusted when I'm running my events, free to be myself, 100% authentic who I am. And not be judged, not be brought down, not be made wrong, not be shamed, not tried to be changed, but celebrated for the authentic human being I am and encouraged to be more of that person. I've never felt that fully, maybe in aspects here and there, but there was always conditions. There was always something that someone didn't like about me that wanted me to change, that you know needed me to do something different for them to feel secure or safe or whatever it might be, or feeling like whatever it is. So freedom has always been my thing and wanting to feel free. And I feel that right now. And that's, right. that's, that's one of the reasons why, because I, I kind of told myself after the previous relationship, after I ended the previous relationship, I said, you know, I'm going to take a year and just enjoy being a single man and, and have fun. And can I, this is what I told Jay, literally like within a month after I go, you know, Jay, I'm going to be single for a year. I'm going to like, just have fun and experience life to the fullest, if you know what I mean. And he said, yeah, you should do that. And then unexpectedly, I, uh, and maybe it happens because maybe it happened because you weren't looking for it. I was not looking. I was not wanting it. I was not expecting it. I was not trying. I was like, I'm going to be fully myself unapologetically. And I was meeting people and, you know, having coffees and going to dinners with just people that I was like, I want to meet just to meet because I can you know, speak to human beings now, but I wasn't like trying to do anything. And 
Yeah. And it became very clear after meeting Martha, who I'm in a relationship with now, not only did she accept me, she was like, wow, I really like every part of you. And I was like, I'm going to share something with you. You're probably not going to like, and I'd share it. And she was like, that's, that turns me on. That excites me. I was like, what? I was like, no girl's ever said this. And I was like, I'm going to share something else that you're not going to like. She's like, that's amazing. I'm like, what? So everything I shared, it excited her. It was like, that's something that I need. You compliment me with the things that you're doing because I've never had that in relationships. So for me, I need freedom. And if I don't have that, then it's, you know, it's probably not going to work. But it's, it's something that is important to me. It's something that is that I feel like if I'm going to be able to be, you know, I either want to be single and free or in a relationship and feel free. And I'm sure it's never going to be like this perfect thing always. But how could I create that? And that's what I'm looking to create. Super clear, super crystal clear. I am also very clear that you knew that before you met her because yes. it's, you know, it's, you attract what you know you want. So, Absolutely. and I also, I find that this is an interesting message for those folks out there that are consciously or unconsciously looking for a relationship is whether you know you want it or in Lewis's case, you're like, I'm done for a year. It's all about just having fun. You had no agenda. You weren't like, I need to go find my, my next long-term relationship or my wife or whatever. And without that agenda and just having a good time and enjoying meeting being people. myself, being fully being, fun, expressive, and going all in on me. I was like, right. I'm going all in on salsa dancing lessons. I'm going all in on my health and I, you know, hiring a new trainer and picking up new goals for myself and physical fitness, going all in on my Spanish classes. I was like, I'm just going all in on my business, all in on me on fully doing the things that bring me alive. And man, it was fast. I did not expect it. And I kind of was like resisting it for a while. I was like, man, why do I have to like this person so much? You know, I, I got to give myself some more space. I told Jay it'd be a year. I know. <laughs> and uh, She's so yeah. awesome. She's incredible. She's, she's everything Lewis is saying. She is. She's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, she's sweetheart. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, that's that was the thing for me is is feeling like I could be my authentic self because I feel like it's a shame when we feel like we can't be ourselves okay. in a relationship because then we're doing a disservice to ourselves, to our creator, to the world by not giving our gifts fully. And I felt like I was living at it. I take full responsibility, by the way, for every relationship I've been in and stayed yeah. in by not being my full self. So I'm not blaming anyone except for taking ownership of it. And I want the best for all the relationships I've been in, but that's all on me. And I stayed and I should have left so I could have, you know, been in a more authentic relationship with myself and other people. One follow-up question before my final question for everybody, but one follow-up question to you is, what do you think it was about old Lewis just several months ago before Marta and separating and all that, that attracted women that didn't make you feel free. This is a whole three-hour conversation, but Jay knows this because this is stuff we talk about all the time. There's many layers to this. I'm, I'm going to see if I can give a two-minute answer. I feel like I have to go back through notes and hours of sessions with my therapist since January this year to, to, to think about this now. But, you know, there was a common theme from all the relationships of, of the women that I dated in the past. It was a pretty common theme. They were all, for me, extremely beautiful. I felt very attracted to them. The second thing is they were very talented. They all had some incredible gift. I was just like so blown away by the unique gift that each one of them had and their ability to impact other people with their talent and their gift. And the third one was 
I didn't believe that they believed in themselves or that they were beautiful or that they were talented. And so I was always like, what? You're, you blow me away. You're amazing. How do you not see this? And so I think there was something in me that wanted to feel needed, feel like I added, could add value to someone, feel like I could help them, feel like there was, they needed me unconsciously. I wasn't like thinking about this, like I need to be needed, but there must've been something within me that wanted to reveal and show these individuals how beautiful and how talented they were and support them in that confidence, which is kind of egotistical to think like, I have, I understand this and I can teach you this. It's kind of like this egotistical thing, I guess, but that's what I continued to attract. And again, there was a lot that I got to work on for myself and a lot that I continue to get to work on for myself to become a better partner in general and a better human being. But that was the thing, the common denominator was with those things. And I think I never approached it from connecting on values right away, connecting on healing right away, connecting on vision right away. And that's what I realized, like, okay, from now on, I'm going right into, yes, I'm going to be fun and relaxed in the beginning, but have they healed or are they on a healing journey? And if they haven't, man, then I'm just going to be in a struggling battle to working with someone who doesn't want to look themselves in the mirror because I'm willing to, I'm not perfect, but I'm willing to look myself in the mirror, go to therapy, go to workshops. Like I'm willing to do the work, talk to Jay every week and tell him all about my you know challenges, whatever it is. I'm willing to face the, the ugly parts of me that, that get to improve. But if someone's not willing to go on that journey with me, I know from my personal experience, it's going to be exhausting and it's going to get lonely because I'm going to be the only one working on those things and the other person doesn't want to, to look in the mirror. And so for me, I made a clear distinction. I was just like, this is, there's got to be healing, a constant healing journey that someone's got to be excited for or a practice of growth and discovery of how to improve and shared values and shared vision. Because otherwise, what are we doing? If we don't have similar values and a similar vision, then we're going in two different directions with different values as a foundation. It's hard to grow something from different foundations into a, you know, a unit next to each other. So for me, it just became clear. But for so long, Gabby, I was drawn first by, you know, sexual chemistry. This is something I told Jay, if we're going to get real deep here for another 60 seconds. And and (laughs) I I don't even know if I should be saying this, but I made a decision that I was not going to have sex for many months. And, and that was the, probably the smartest decision because in every other relationship, sex became something that happened quickly. And therefore I was chemically connected totally, and was willing to overlook values and vision because it felt so good. And I was attracted sexually and chemically and was bonding myself sexually and chemically. And that clouded my ability to see things and make better decisions and to remove myself from the relationship when I probably should have in certain times, as opposed to let me make this work and let me change myself to make someone happy and then never working. So I think starting from a different foundation, removing that and just having, you know, 12 hour conversations about healing and therapy and values and vision, you know, for a few months made me realize, wow, this is just an incredible human being. And these conversations and values are aligned as opposed to Let's have sex right away and just be bonded. Right. Not clouding it with bonding hormones, which is a real thing. 
exactly. that is all that that crazy oxytocin we have in the beginning of relationships, which I think it's very wise what you, the decision you made. It's really some. I feel like maybe one day you could write about it because it's a good it's a good practice. I, I, I believe that. I mean, I remember hearing Jay talk about when he was a monk, the clarity he was able to find by not even not sex, but not even touching someone. You know what I mean? Right. Just like by being clean by being clear, by being unclouded through those chemicals. And, and it really inspired me. And I was like, I'm not gonna be able to do this for a year or years. It's, you know, I'm, I'm not that monk lifestyle. That's not what I'm about. But could I make decisions for a few months in, from this point of view? Could I, you know, could I keep extending it until I feel clear from a different point of view? And that's why I made it like, man, this is amazing because I'm just having great conversations. We have shared values, shared vision. Like, Let's keep just hanging out. Let's keep exploring it. Let's see if the words match the behaviors and the actions. You know, weeks after week, month after month, let's continue to see each other in different scenarios to see, okay, do your words match? Do my words match for you? You know, as opposed to us deciding from chemical bondage. And it's powerful. I mean, I know people that have also waited for a year to have sex and got married. And then 10 years later, they're struggling. So I'm not saying this is the end-all, be-all, but I feel like it's allowed me to have a much cleaner process from the foundational point of view of starting the relationship. And the key to long-lasting relationships is the two individuals in the pursuit of their own betterment. Absolutely. So realizing that you needed, because you have such a commitment to your own personal growth, you could only be with somebody who had that same level of commitment. And And she's probably more committed to personal growth than me, which I'm like, this is incredible, you know? Cool. Nice. Beautiful. Oh my God. Amen. Gabby. Creating a home that brings me joy is something that is probably one of the most important things in my household because I want to feel that connection to my space. And I've always put so much intention and love into spaces and I spend a lot of time on it. I really believe that creating a space that feels personal can also be inspiring and healing, very healing for us. That's why I'm obsessed with the company Joybird. Joybird offers modern, customizable furniture for every space, available in a variety of vibrant fabrics and options. And Joybird's final sale is here. I'm putting the finishing touches on my new office, and I've got this Joybird Holt sofa that's going to look amazing. There are so many options to create your perfect space. You can choose from over 18,000 customization options or browse curated collections for your one-of-a-kind style. Honestly, ordering furniture online has never been easier, and so many people are doing it because we've been at home, we've been honoring our spaces more. So you've got these rich, buttery leathers and these soft velvets, and you can just find the fabrics you love most. You can even order a free fabric swatch kit to feel fabrics before you buy them. I highly recommend you do that. The best part is Joybird is committed to creating quality furniture and a more sustainable future. Each piece is made with incredible care using responsibly sourced materials free from harmful chemicals. Also, they offer 90-day returns. Joybird stands by its quality and craftsmanship. I love when a brand does this. It's so powerful. If it's not everything you hoped for, just send it back. Create a space that brings you joy with Joybird. Visit joybird.com slash Gabby and get 30% off your purchase. That's 30% off at joybird.com slash Gabby. 
All right, guys. I mean, I could talk to you for another three hours because I'm so into this and I'm so starving for my kinds of connection with friends like you. But here we go. Last question. And I also actually, before I close with this question, I do want to talk just for a moment about Sama. And I want to talk about anything that Lewis you have going on because here's the number one reason. Not just because you both are doing beautiful things in the world and you have uh, really important gifts that you're sharing, but the two of you, of really anyone in our space, in our field, have been the most generous to me. I'm going to cry. I don't want to cry. But I really mean this because it's like seeing people show up for you when you have put your heart and your soul into something like a book. And it's the folks that are like, I'm there. I'm getting behind it. I'm putting it out there. I'm going to put it ahead of other things is one of the most, it's something that I as an individual really take seriously. And I just want to acknowledge both of you for the generosity that you have both expressed to me. And I know not just to me, to so many other people. And so I want to in any way give that back to you and shout from the rooftops that Jay Shetty has a tea company. (laughs) And it's awesome. And the packaging is epic. And I want you to just talk about why this happened, what it came from, just anything that wants to come through for you. Yeah. So thank you, first of all, Gabby. And, you know, I I love... You know, when I first met you and then I remember meeting Lewis and saying, oh yeah, I'm already friends with Gabby. And just, it was the same things that resonated about both of you. For me, it was, I think the qualities I most admire in people are humility and generosity, like above everything else, like more than success, more than fame, more than strength or confidence or anything. It's, it's humility and generosity because I think they're the hardest things to be whether you have a lot or you have a little, they're, they're difficult to be. So I see that in both of you and I, I thank that too. With Sama, Radhi and I are different in many ways. She likes fruit. I like chocolate. She likes just eating vegetables. I like burritos and pizzas and everything else. Although she's made me much healthier, which has been good for me. But one thing that we both always had a love for is tea. And so we've spent our whole marriage drinking tea together at least twice a day, if not three or four times. And we're those people at a restaurant or a bar that say, oh, do you have any peppermint tea or some herbal tea? Like we're, we're that person at the dinner table. And I've been doing it for a long time because of my throat as well, because we speak so much. I feel that tea is such a big part of my life and my career because of my voice and the protection of, of that. So anyway, tea has been something that we've loved for a long time. Our families have loved it, her family, my family. And we got to this place where we wanted to create something that could help people practice mindfulness, practice meditation, practice breathing, but without having to learn a new skill or new technique, but we could just gently nudge it into someone's life and that they could feel the benefits from it. And so for me, drinking tea is a ritual. It starts with, you know, boiling the water and listening to it, then, you know, bringing it into the cup, taking in a scent, like I feel breathing in and inhaling. And I hope you inhaled it before you had it. I think I we did. worked really hard on, hard on the scent. And then you finally drink it and you feel the warmth in your body. And so to me, it's a meditative experience where you're looking at the colors, taking the scent, the visual of it, obviously feeling it, tasting it. And we spent the last one and a half years 
trying blends, tastings, just checking and testing and experimenting and almost messing around with like potions, trying to figure it out. And I have to give all the credit with the herbs to Radhi. So all the teas are based on adaptogens and adaptogens are herbs that will adapt to the levels in your body to reduce stress, to reduce pressure, to reduce anxiety. So it's based on adaptogens. All the herbs have been selected by Radhi when it comes to Ayurvedic herbs with her background. And then we wanted something that you wanted to start your day with, end your day with, to be fresh throughout the day. So it's, to be honest, it's been a labor of love. It's been so much fun putting it together. And like I said, it's been an excuse to be in the room with Radhi. And we've really tried to combine both of our personalities into it. So the tea is playful, but it hopefully is also profound and can have a big impact on people's lives. But anyone who loves tea, we'd love for them to try it and taste it. And we really hope that people support it because it's going to be something that we're going to do for a long time and keep coming up with new flavors for holidays and Christmas and vacations. And we just enjoy the process of creating something that people can actually feel in their day to day. So very excited. And Sama is a Sanskrit word for a state of equanimity, of being unchanged, of being balanced. So our hope is that as people drink Sama, they will reach the state of Sama in the process. I tried the Earl Grey, and now that I recognize that there is adaptogens in it, I really felt that. I really did because I haven't had a lot of caffeine lately because of my pregnancy. And so having it gave me this like nice sort of caffeinated feeling, but it wasn't a spike. And that must have been the balance. And there is also a mint blueberry. Dude, so the scents are actually truly magnificent. Yeah. I'm not blowing smoke here, people. I don't talk about things like this unless I'm really into it. So where can people find Sama? Yeah. So right now you can go to www.samatea.com. S-A-M-A. Yeah. S-A-M-A-T.com. And you'll find all the details. We Hopefully it should be out by the time this comes out. So you'll be able to sign up and join our membership. And every month we'll send you a little box of tea and hopefully a fun note for me and Radhi. And we want to really make it a community. We want it to be something that people get excited about and that they're mixing teas at home and that they're learning about their body and herbs. That's a big part of it for me and Radhi that we want to use it as an opportunity for people to become educated about herbs that are positive for them and how they can actually improve their bodies and their mind through them. So it's going to be a great journey. And thank you, Gabby. I'm so glad that we got some to you. I'm so glad that you tasted it. Jasmine peach is my favorite. So if you have- Oh, that, I'll have that tonight. Jasmine peach. Okay. Yes. Excellent. Louis, is there anything other than, I'm going to I'm gonna shout everything out about all of you in your intros, but is there anything that's up for you right now that you're really proud of that you want to share about, that you want folks to know about? Just check out School of Greatness. Me and Jay are exploring to do a lot more long-form conversations like this together from our point of view on some of the most taboo subjects in the world right now. We're going to be doing some of this stuff together. The two of you, you guys. Yes. Excellent move. Beautiful idea. We, haven't, we actually haven't talked about it publicly yet, but we're... I like that so much is coming out here. I'm planning, such a can opener. We've been planning it for months, but Jay's... we about it for a long time. Yeah, Jay's got a lot going on and we're, we're, we'll are we be, yeah, doing it soon. So check out School of Greatness and On Purpose so you can stay tuned to, to more of that stuff coming soon. Right. I guarantee that everyone listening already listens to both of your podcasts. I know this as a fact, but if you haven't been listening to these guys, this is a beautiful addition to your podcast walks. 
And I, I was really going back and forth with many different last questions, all in my head, by the way. I had all these notes, you guys. I didn't look at them once. I did not even look at them once. Lindsay, my producer, is like, where did she go? But I, I think that… That's called active listening. Oh, good. good. I really… Yeah, that's called trusting your instincts and listening and seeing where the next question needs to go by… Yeah. Yeah. You know, not checking the notes, you know, not checking the questions, but yeah. being aware of them and <laughs> leaning into them. Yeah. And having fun and enjoying the conversation. How, how much better is this? It really doesn't get better than this. Okay. There's two questions I want to ask. You can answer either one. Okay. So if this was, this is the first question. If this was the absolute last interview you were ever going to give ever again, last time you're ever heard on the air anywhere in any form, what would you say? That's question number one. Like, what do you need us to know? And then question number two was, and I, neither of you are going to want to answer this one, but what's your biggest regret? I know you're going to want to go for the upbeat one, but we'll see. We can go to both. We can do both. Let's do both. Let's get both. Oh my God. Let's get both. Okay. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. If if I had to honestly say at this point in my life, if this was the last interview and I had something to say… I'd have two answers. First thing I'd say is go and listen to Steve Jobs' Stanford commencement speech if you haven't. Because I listened to that speech for nine months in a row every single day at one point in my life. And I knew every word off by heart. The words penetrated my heart. Even now when I listen to it, I get goosebumps. It's just like that to me is the best speech of all time. And, and so I would have to tell people to go and listen to that because that's such a big impact on my life. But I would, if I could only say one thing, I would say that there's a beautiful statement in the Vedic texts and it says that when you protect your purpose, your purpose protects you. Mm. And so our life is not so much about living or creating or finding our purpose. It's actually about protecting it. It already exists. It's within you. You have it. And we have to protect it like a precious jewel. And when you protect it and then you live it and you unleash it, it will protect you through every other change and transition that comes in your life. So don't give up your purpose for a good idea, a person, a place, a project, a random thought. Keep allowing it to be uncovered. And I promise you, it will protect you at the darkest of times. Wow. Thank you. And I was going to say mine, which I think adds to that, is what I say at the end of my podcast is, if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And I think when people remember that they are loved, when they remember they are worthy, when they remember they matter, they can pursue their purpose with 100% effort and confidence and alignment and not fall back into some negative pattern of, or move for a person and leave their purpose or whatever it is, they can find a both and in their life. So remember, remember that statement. When you say that at the end of your show, I really know you mean it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I say it to myself. I feel it when you, I, I, I'm always like smiling. I listen to both of you in the car and I'm just smiling. I'm like, thanks, Lewis. It feels really good to hear you say that. A lot of people <laughs> don't hear that. No. A lot of people don't hear that from anyone else. And they or, definitely don't say that to themselves with all the negative self-talk and the beat up and the blaming, the self-blaming. So I just feel like when we can get to a place of peace, like Jay has done so well and Jay teaches all of us so well, then we can pursue our purpose from a place of peace. Mm-hmm. 
which has more energy and is more sustainable and renewable energy than a place of fear, anxiety, stress. And that's where I want to live from. Yeah. Dudes. So should we end on regret? I mean, we can make it upbeat. We can spin it. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's good to talk about it. I, I struggle generally to think about things I regret. My biggest regret would have been that I didn't try to pursue my purpose. And so for a long time, my biggest regret was that I was in the corporate world. I was working 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., doing something that I didn't love, not serving the world, not using my gifts. And so that was a big thing that I regretted or I thought would become a big regret for a long time. To turn it into a positive, as you said, I think for me, I now look at life as every time I have a decision to make, I fast forward to being on my deathbed. So whether that's 70, 80, 90, 100, whatever age you want to visualize for yourself. And I ask myself, as my future self fast forwarded, will I regret if I do this or will I regret if I don't do this? And so I let my future self make that decision for me because I think at the time of death, perspective is just different and it's elevated. And so my positive answer to that is now, if I think like, oh, am I going to regret this? Is this going to be a big thing? I'll just close my eyes. I'll fast forward and I'll ask myself, would I regret this if I didn't do this at the end of my life or if I did do this? And the answer always comes to me. It, it's, mm. I just listen and I sit there and maybe it'll take a day, maybe it'll take a week or maybe a month. But just sitting with that really helps me in not creating a life of regret. So I don't think I really have any major regrets. Of course, there's mistakes and flaws and all of that. But I think regret's a strong word and I think mm-hmm. it should be used appropriately and it shouldn't be thrown around for, you know, of course, do I wish I was more loving to everyone I've ever met? Of course, I, I do wish that. Do I wish I was a better son and a, uh, a better brother? Of course I do. But those are not regrets. I, I don't think I want to, I also don't want to use the language loosely. Yeah. And you don't have to regret things that you can make right today. I mean, that's one of the best things about being in 12-step recovery is that you make amends and you can forgive yourself because you can make an amends. And if someone's no longer living, you can make a living amends to them where, you know, if you stole something from somebody and they're no longer alive, you can just go give to a charity that they loved or whatever it is. So that way of living for me, of always taking care of my side of the street, allows me to live without regret. Yeah, I love that. Lewis. For me, it would be beating myself up so much and holding on to suffering for so long as a kid and in my 20s and, you know, the negative self-talk that you're never going to be good enough or you suck, you messed up, that was an idiot thing to do, you're too dumb or just like the horrible things that I would say to myself growing up. But I also, you know, to spin it, I also and wishing that I would have learned how to heal sooner to not hold on to those things. But it's also, on the other side of the coin, the thing that made me so hungry and driven to learn and curious-minded to interview people and, and seek answers and seek tools and seek training to then serve other people and be of, of help to other people. So I don't know if I necessarily regret it because I think it's made me who I am. A hundred percent. But I, you know, maybe I wish I would have learned it sooner. But, you know, it's like, do I have to suffer for that long? I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, I'm serious. Like, you're so young to be in such grace with your past, in such peace with your past. I am so deeply proud of you. Thank you. For your bravery to go to the places that scare you and to come out the other side. Thank you. It's beautiful. You guys, I love you so much. 
We love you, Gabby. Love you. This was yeah. this filled me up. This really filled me up in a major way. I know it's going to serve so many souls. And thank you for being my brothers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Gabby. Thanks for all the love and for bringing us together and creating a safe space. And we miss you a lot too. Can't wait to give you a big yes. hug when we get to see you. So. Oh my God. You guys, when I see you, I'm going to like jump up in the air. <laughs> Lewis, you better throw me up and I'll salsa dance with me. You. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you. If you made it to the end of this episode, that means you're truly committed to miracles. I'm really proud of you. If you want to get more Gabby, tune in every Monday for a new episode. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the guidance or special bonus episodes. Your experience of this show means a lot to me. So I really want to welcome you to leave an honest review. And you can follow me on social media at Gabby Bernstein. And if you want to get in on the action, sign up for a chance to be Dear Gabby live at DearGabby.com. See you next week. Gabby. Gabby.